Can you dig it? And now, from the Elm Vault, with Gil, Levi, and Justin. Welcome to From the Bone Vault, coming to you live from below Midnight Lair. I'm Gil. And I'm Levi. And I'm Justin. And now, for the second part of our double feature. Yeah, we watched another Vincent Price film. Uh, We watched one of the most cinematically pleasing movies I have seen in forever, The House of Usher. Usher, 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 Usher. Guys, hit me with some facts. So, uh, we watched The Fall of the House of Usher, which is a short story by Edgar Allan Poe. And uh, this version of the script was actually written by Richard Matson, who is really famous for uh, writing I Am Legend, uh, The Likeness of Julia short story. He wrote a bunch of Twilight Zone stuff, including the movie. And um, he's like one of those influences for Stephen King and a bunch of people like that. So he has a really long career yeah. inside dude, Hollywood. Dude has got a pedigree. On, yeah, publishing pedigree that's miles long. And that was the first thing I noticed about this when I saw the uh, the credits. See, for me, it's the Roger Corman piece that stood out and made me go, yes, we did a Corman movie. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, from that writing perspective, Justin, um, it, it, take it in the before we go into the movie itself. Are you a fan of Poe's work or kind of ambivalent? Where do, where do you sit? Because you've got it. You're being a writer. Um, I know you've got a specific perspective when it comes to writers in general. Uh, Poe's work is good. I mean, I'm not, not I, I used to be a bigger fan of it when I was younger. It's very much like one of those goth sort of hot topic things <laughs> that a lot of kids go through. But he's not particularly a bad writer or a hack or anything like that. He just, he has a weird sense of uh, horror. And the horror is not necessarily the kind of horror we're used to. So like the Raven, the Raven and, you know, Telltale Heart and things like that are not, they're not like the scream ring sort of horror that we write today. They're very subtle horrors and they're more horror of the unknown or horror of just like horror of the the horror of the mind too, because a lot of his stories could be explained away as men, you know, mental maladies. And I mean that, you know, leads into the plot of this film a little bit, but a lot of Poe's work can be attributed to all, uh, the idea that, like, those things that these people, whether it's real or hallucin- or them hallucinating, could actually, you know, some of that, if it's hallucinations, that's a very real thing that could happen. And I think that's part of what resonated with people when they read these stories and why they're so still so successful. Um, you know, when I think Poe was on Ether or something, too. And so that a lot <laughs> no, of it that's was... true. That or Laudanum, one oh. of the two. Yeah, a lot of it was a fear thing, like a paranoia. But th- there's a direct line you can draw from uh, the kind of cerebral horror uh, idea Poe has, and the later in the uh, the the ne- I want to say the next century. I don't know when Poe was writing. I want to say it was 1800s. But later yes. in the next century, in the 1920s and early, like after the uh, First World War, all the Lovecraft stuff and how the mental uh, facilities breaking down plays into that, and it it's very similar to Poe, so it's definitely influential. Absolutely, um, absolutely. I, I I could not agree more. I mean, there is there, you really can draw a direct line between that. Man, now, man, now I want to go back and read some more. You know, both of their <laughs> works. It's been too long. <laughs> well, Lovecraft's a little hard to get through. It's like wading through a bunch of just really deep thick water because it's <laughs> the language is it's funny that, well the, said, that those books were written a hundred years ago and the language in a poe book is easier to get through even though it's an older book and it should be <laughs> further from what you're used to right well i mean you've got adaptation too because some of the original wording is yeah. a little weird but uh had either of you seen this film before we sat down to watch it i had not i had heard of it i've heard of the book or well, the short story but I want to say I saw something based on this, like a, a modernization or something. Or either that or I saw something that stole the story and I just didn't realize it. Well, this, I mean, this was an adaptation <laughs> of uh, the story. There's been several, several, several. There was a 19, I want to say 49 film. There was a, nine, I want to say a 19, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think 20s, maybe 20s. There's been s- several, several, several. Fall of the House of Usher, The House of Usher, 
Usher's, if you know, career itself. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I had to make an Usher joke when in here. Usher actually does go down, and like, there's something happens where he gets, you know, like taken out, and they're like, we have to get rid of Usher, and he's he's going away because he did a bad thing. I hope the headline, at least one headline, is "Fall the House Usher" because that's <laughs> worth it. Yeah, but then you find out his crazy manager actually locks him in a coffin. So uh, didn't didn't end well. Oh, and we know. <laughs> We didn't actually go over this, and it's it's a quick it's a quick pull. But the uh, since the cast list is right here in front of me, so the cast in this movie is really small. It's just really four people. Absolutely, it's uh, Vincent Price as Roderick Usher, Mark Damon, no relation to Matt Damon, as Philip Winthrop. Oh, I was hoping there was going to be a connection. I was about to say, damn it! I, I actually did look it up because I got really excited. <laughs> I was like, if this dude's related to Matt Damon, I'm going to lose my shit. But he's not. <laughs> and. Uh, is it Marna? Marna? I, her name is really hard to say. It's M-Y-R-N-A. Sorry for mispronouncing Myrna, that. Myrna, maybe? Uh, Mir- Myrna Fahey? Fahey. I bet you it's Fahey. Fahey. And it would not surprise it's, me if she's mm-hmm. uh, part of the, uh, related to the current Fahey. Was it? Oh, who's the current actor or actress Fahey? I don't know, but she was Madeline Usher, and there's Harry Ellerby, who is Bristol, who is the uh, kind of <laughs> butler sort of... Uh, manservant guy it was the alfred in the movie the movie itself was a very small cast so it's it's not very mobile it's all in one place there's one location there's four people there and at any given time you know there's not much going on besides like the people you can concentrate on right there in the room right right but i think it adds to it i mean i think that's part of uh the tone is that you have such the the house itself was so empty and so, you know, it, let's be honest, it was another character. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it, it played its role. I mean, it set atmosphere. You got this sense that, yeah, it was just this cast in this house, but like they were very much at this house's um, whims, you know, like, like that, the, the, you felt the tension in the movie. And I think that's part, you know, part of what Corman did with this successfully, very successfully, especially uh, now take a step back. Did you guys watch the color version or the black and white? Oh, mine was color. I know it was a black and white color. I'm, yeah. I'm glad I didn't have to watch that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that got rocky. No, I like the, I like the color well, version. I've seen both, but, um, is it actually shot in black and white? Uh, yeah. Yeah. They came back through and add, uh, did, well, I think it was oh, it shot. No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. I think it was sure? shot in color and they did, they rendered a black and white version. Um, because I have, I have seen a black and white of this film. Um, but it was, um, it didn't look like, I mean, it said what technicolor and cinescope, I think at the front. Yeah. So, um, it, I want to say that there's something different about showing a, uh, color movie versus black and white in theaters or there was, and they might've had to render a black and white for certain theaters. So you might've just seen a, a cut of that, but, um, the color was actually pretty good, oh, so it yeah. looked like it was actually originally shot in color. Like you can usually tell when something's been colorized because it right. looks right. off. And it was super rich. Yeah, it was definitely filmed in color. Super rich, super colorful. Um, the, I mean, that was part of what to me like set the atmosphere and the tone is is like you got to see that light difference happen really well. Like when he lit the candles or they opened the uh, windows, you actually got to see the light balance radically change mm-hmm. um and and, and this the scene changed you know it was, it was a dramatic change in the the mood and the temperature of the scene and that, which was again really cool because you have to be very atmospheric with poe's work because of how it's written because of that gothic genre oh look at mr i watched the movie over again today over hey, here shut up um <laughs> <laughs> i did yeah, we actually watched this movie last week so that's that's why it's a little bit rustier in my head but i i do remember me too i do remember <laughs> the colors being very like uh, rich, especially the reds. There's a very yes. like, and I think I think when you think mm-hmm. of Poe, you think of like reds and blacks and golds. Yeah, um, and that that does fit that sort of uh, environmental atmosphere. What'd you guys think of the uh, costuming? How cool was it seeing Vincent Price come in with that shock of blonde hair? And that red okay, hold on. costume. Yeah. You, you mean you mean Bowser's haircut from the Mario no. Brothers movie? Oh my gosh. No, his hair looked great in this <laughs> film. Bowser's looked like trash. I will say that that coat, the the red coat he has, it's like this, like it's almost like this, like karate gi, like style thing. <laughs> that red coat, that you was know, pretty. That was pimp as hell. That was great. 
you know what it kind of reminded me of gil it reminded me a little bit of those red coats that the guys had on gallo walkers oh my god and just the ornateness yes. of his costume can and we his stop hairdo. watching like bringing up gallo walkers a movie that I, I won't get to see because no one wants to <laughs> I mean, watch it's it got connections <laughs> We got to get those connections. We might watch it again eventually. I, don't I, know. I, yeah. I, Justin, if you want to watch it, I will suffer through it again with you. I totally will. <laughs> we'll watch it together. I was gonna say that, uh, like Philip, when Philip came on screen, he was uh, that's the guy played by um, Mark Damon. Mm-hmm. Philip was basically like a Clark Kent type. Like I was just like, oh, this guy looks like he could be Superman yeah. in this time. Like he just. <laughs> he looked like he, that. He had a good look. His mm-hmm. his costume was good. His presence was good toward the beginning of the film, I think. But as it progressed, and he's supposed to be, you know, get more tired and get more uh, a little more deranged for having been in the you know in the vicinity of all this stuff. I kind of felt his performance started slacking a little bit. Really? Um, just it, just my you know my opinion. I just it, I, I kind of felt like his whole. Uh, um, uh, where is she? And he's like overselling yeah. it. Is is like okay, I get it. Like you're next to one of the, one of I the agree. most, you know, facially animated great actors of his time, dude. You cannot shatter mm-hmm. it up. You gotta <laughs> dial it back. You're next to Vincent <laughs> fucking Price. Come on. I, I think I think that some of the funniest stuff in this movie is just like late movie wildness. Like there's a part where he has an axe and he like cuts something up with the axe and he throws the axe down and then he's he like oh that's what it was. He cuts up he cuts open that casket right. and he throws the axe down and he like opens it and she's not in there. And so he goes to run out of the room and there's this pause and he reaches back and like, forgot my axe and he runs out <laughs> with the axe and I was like <laughs> Well, when he uh, so a quick recap, uh, Vincent Price's character is Broderick has oh, his senses are so through the roof, overly dialed. They're up. shitty superheroes. It really his, is. His senses That's what are, they are only they're only dialed up when the plot requires yes. it because <laughs> they, <laughs> they bring all that up. But then later, everybody has fucking shoes on, walk around the house. People were beating on shit, hacking at stuff with axes. He's totally fine <laughs> with it. I heard her scratching. I heard all her screams. <laughs> I but I, exactly but I, I well, I took a yeah, shit last night. Did you hear that too? <laughs> because... <laughs> Can you imagine that existence yep. where you're in the house and you're just you're chilled out. You finally got some peace. It's the house is settled. Nothing's moving. And, you, and then Bristol's dropping a deuce. <laughs> and Bristol is is in there. <laughs> like, damn it, Bristol! I was almost asleep. Give me the laudanum. <laughs> <laughs> Roderick had all the powers of like Daredevil, except for he could still see. Right. And, like, and that's what fucked him worst. up, I guess. No, he had the worst version. <laughs> he of... should have blinded himself. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he wouldn't he have been out more to fight crime in that red ass robe. <laughs> yeah. And then his sister, she was kind of like not really affected at all. Yeah, nothing, like, the sister no, was really cute. kind of assumed she that no she would problems. be. I mean, I, it, the sister was really cute, and everybody kept calling that girl ugly. Like they were constantly like, "Oh, look at her! She looks all gaunt and ugly and like tired." I'm like, "She looks normal. <laughs> yeah, she looks like she, leave that woman alone." Right. I thought she that looks too. Like one, she looks like a typical teeny bopper that would roll into Hot Topic and buy a halter top. Stop it. She looks fine. <laughs> by the way, by the way, I have to. Rem- I, I just remembered this because it's like fresh in my head. But there is one line in this movie that set me off. Oh. I had to like stop the whole film because I was just like, "This is not happening in a movie from the '60s." Like Philip comes into her room and he's trying to feed her, oh. and she won't take the food. And he's like, "I'll have no scrawny women in my house." <laughs> I was like, "All right, so yeah. Philip, Philip likes them thick. He's like Sir Mix-a-Lot or something." <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know what's he going likes on. Goth butts, and he can't not lie. <laughs> He's like, more yeah, petticoats, more petticoats. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, the very specific things happening in his it, house. It was... <laughs> Big asses. <laughs> but I, I do want to go talk a little bit more about the uh, cinematography. Yes. And that's something that stood out in this film. Uh, the costuming as well. But definitely the cinematography, especially as the film unfolded. It's just such a beautiful film to look at. And the colors did pop off of the screen. And I looked up the cinematographer, and his name is Floyd Crosby. He's actually the cinematographer on High Noon as well. Oh, that makes sense. It's a great, another great film, yeah. I just really enjoyed looking at this film. And if I'm going to be honest, I kind of thought it was a little boring overall. But I, I enjoyed looking at it because it was just so 
the the lighting and the colors just well, it, it made a, it beautiful to look at, almost like a painting. It was a total runtime of, and we need to bring, painting is a good segue into something. Uh, we'll bring up here in a second, but when you <laughs> talk about the uh, the pacing, right? A little boring. It came in at what mm-hmm. an hour and twenty with the uh, little the colored uh, end credits at the end, like the colored plumes. Yeah, it was pretty I think short. They probably could have shaved about fifteen minutes, but maybe maybe less. Yeah, off the film, and it would have done it some justice because I agree. A lot of the whole him going around the house, you know, like flinging himself yeah. at things. Um, That's the yeah, best that part not... of this film. Like oh, him, really? like freaking the <laughs> fuck out and just being a lunatic. <laughs> Cause I was like, is he going crazy now? Because he's been in this house. Like, there's probably a gas leak or some shit, and that's why they're all like this. Because yeah. they just are slowly getting mercury poisoning or something. He sh- that oh, that would have been such a good twist if it had just been like. I mean, like the thing about it is that that, that it, there's no real twist. Like the twist is that he's telling the truth in general that like these things happen, but you don't have a real reason why they were going on. Like, yeah, okay, so this mm-hmm. house's foundation is shit. I don't know why Philip stayed there after one night when he saw a literal crack, like, an inch wide. Yeah, form. no. I was like, no, dude, no, get no. out of here. That this house is crack. coming that down. That was a no. freaking fissure in the home. Yeah. He, yeah. He was like, okay, so they have foundation problems. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> that was some cable of the coolest. People. <laughs> that was some of the coolest shots as well when the house was just lit like that from the yeah. outside and – um, those, that was some of the coolest like? imagery. You think those were hand-drawn images? Yeah, Matt's. They, that was beautiful, though. I mean, sure. You and I brought that up back when we did um, This Island Earth, that a lot of those hand... You, yes, know, you just don't yes. see that anymore, that hand-drawn art on mm-hmm. celluloid like that. And it's absolutely gorgeous. And it's, again, going back yeah, to the it's tone. it's very striking. The tone you brought up, was it's perfect mm-hmm. for that. I, mm-hmm. I have one problem with the costuming going back to that. In post time, did people just not wash the product out of their hair? Like, everybody just got in bed with their hair, like, slicked back and just laid down. Like, this is how I go to bed. Like, whatever. It'll, it'll, it'll sweat itself out. What you're out. saying is... I think that was something from the 60s, actually. Yeah. Really? Up into the 60s. Yeah, because people in, in movies generally kind of went to bed as they were. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, th- that's a movie problem. It's just like how people never eat breakfast in movies. They just, like, take one bite of something. I got to go and run out the what? door. Like, a whole plate of food just sitting And people there. always have their windows rolled yes. down. <laughs> All the or they never say bye on phones. They just hang. Yeah. They're like, they just say a sentence and hang the phone up on the other person. Yeah. Well, Justin, just admit it. You, wanted, you just wanted to see Vincent Price in a nightcap. That's what it is. You just wanted him to wear one of those little, little goofy hats with the side tilted over. That's what it is. A I mean, it looked like they were all in one of those. Uh, like, it looked like they were all in one of those like mystery theater dinner things. Like, they were just they ran a house like that. Like, like Vincent Price should have come uh, in and go, hello, welcome. Tonight we'll be eating salmon and figuring out why the dog farted. <laughs> it's like it, if you want to have a business, dude, just run one of those weird mystery houses. People will show up for that. Oh God, yeah, we sh- that's what we should do. <laughs> Pumpkin Bomb Productions brings to you Mystery House. Well, it, truthfully oh. though, uh, a lot of the uh, escape rooms are really big now too. So true. I mean, how did Bristol get stuck with these motherfuckers? Because uh, he's an old man. Sixty like, years he's, he's been. I think he said he's older than them. They make him carry Madeline upstairs. I mean, she's not fat, yeah. but she's a full-grown woman. And he's like maybe sixty. <laughs> like he's, no, he's, he's older than older sixty because he's he's, been, he's, he's been like with, eighty. He's been with the house for sixty years, according to him. In the I thought yeah. they meant he was like a child slave or something. <laughs> they just had him working there because could be. Yeah, maybe when he was like eight or something. Is there more Bristol still, backstory in the actual writing? Uh, I don't know. I would need to go back. That was a joke. Oh. Nobody looked that up. <laughs> We're gonna get emails. Great. Um, other note: the comic, the the large lock on that casket they put her in was comically large. It was yes. like some sort of like video game, like Zelda chest lock they put on there. Yeah. It was like as big as a person's face. <laughs> Damn it, Justin! Now I've got to go edit a version of this where when he opens it up, you hear da na 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 and it's like, oh no, it's just a mimic. It just grabs him. <laughs> <laughs> like Dark Souls, that bullshit. Well, are we also gonna talk about the uh, the weird family portraits yeah, that they the had? Yeah. That looked like something out of the haunted mansion at Disney World. It, really it looked like that it woman. Like the eyes were gonna pop really out. It, it looked like that woman who had painted the um, the Jesus painting and fucked it all up had done all those paintings. <laughs> like, they were like misproportion, and the colors didn't match up. 
Everybody was like red and purple and blue. Oh my god. And that one guy looks like some sort of Russian general that turned into a vampire yeah, or something. That's like some Ravenloft I, I, level I shit mean, right there. I also like yeah. how, how they were like, oh, this guy was a smuggler and he was a pirate. This one murdered women. And then, then this lady, she slept around a bit. <laughs> I think you can just take her down <laughs> no, off the wall. No, they did say she was a she was a harlot and a murderess. So it wasn't just that, like, mm, she went and got her some and all that. Like, no, she killed people. They were all shitheads. <laughs> but he, he did mention, like, this is where I get back to the whole hallucinating and thinking things are wrong and messed up. <clears throat> I think this family probably did have a history of being insane. Um, but Yeah, mental but illness. I think some of, he said it all took place in this house. And they said they moved every brick from Britain and brought it here. So I'm really thinking mm-hmm. that. That family went insane after they brought that house there. I think the whole thing of him saying it was lush and beautiful before my time. I think that place was already fetid before he was there. And his family was uh, uh, reduced to madness by like bog stink or something. You know, like some gas vein or something under there. Mm -hmm. And it drove them all crazy. Him included. Especially with his physical condition. And he drove his sister nuts. His sister would have been fine if... Philip would have just taken her the frick out of there. Right. Rant over. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he, um, I think that maybe he was crazy, but she definitely seemed more normal before she got locked in a box for well, a day. Well, of course. Yeah. Well, how many days was it? That's what I wonder because, like, you never, you never yeah. see Philip change into anything but that blue outfit, but he, you see him packing at one point. So it's like Philip just comes to their mm-hmm. house and sets up shop for like who knows how long. Like <laughs> Philip goes to bed there. He, he goes to bed there at least <laughs> twice. The first night's the night he gets there. The second night, he is the night he t- tells her he's going to take her away in the morning. He sleeps there mm-hmm. one more night when they bury her, and then, um, so at least four days. Yeah. But then Vincent Price only had, what, two costume changes through the whole film? He changed into uh, costumes multiple times, too, because he he comes to the stairs for dinner in that cool red coat, and then he takes that coat off later and then comes back in again in it later. Oh, man. So, I wanted to see that red outfit more, man. That was such a good costume. Like, I, I want to take a picture of that and go, Sharon, can you make a purple version of this for Nim? Go. <laughs> <laughs> Nim just becomes Vincent Price. <laughs> well, there's actually, funny enough, there's actually a, uh, we have a callback to that in some of the scripting where uh, Keith's uh, character Gravesley uh, takes on some mannerisms from Vincent Price's character from House on Haunted Hill. So it's actually a pretty consistent callback that we had him doing this Frederick Loring-esque uh, thing. And it's pretty good. Keith does it pretty damn well. So maybe I need to get my dye my, my beard blonde at one point and go, Hello, I'm Vincent Price. I have a yellow have the red, I have jacket. A red jacket and a yellow beard. <laughs> I mean, seriously, people have always said that this dude could, re- like, Vincent Price could read the phone book and it would sound sinister. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Thriller. I mean, he said the he he said the phrase "round y'all's neighborhood" and it came off as sinister. <laughs> Come on. I guess I need to hear that again. I don't think I saw that part. Uh, let's see. What? Did, how did it go? Um, it's at the end. He says. To terrorize y'all's That's neighborhood. It. Oh, is that him in Thriller? Yeah. Yes. That's Vincent oh. Price doing that. I thought you were talking about, talking about a movie called Thriller. I was like, what are you talking about? No. I was like, oh, you the mean song. at the end of Thriller, that dude who just talks over everything. You never knew that that was Vincent mm-hmm. Price? No, I didn't. Oh, I was shit. like, I was barely, I was... I wasn't even born. Thriller came I got, out. Like I got 83? to. We got to do a, a Roger Corman movie, a Vincent Price movie. I got to educate Justin on Thriller. This is. We'll this just do a perfect. short. We'll just do shorts after this, and we'll we'll do a whole talk on the on the video for Thriller. <laughs> that thirteen minute long video. Oh my god, that was amazing. That would be fun, actually. I would love to do that. A yeah. music videos episode. Yeah, no, that's happening. No, we could go back. I mean, to just the like Adam's do family. shorts. Oh, like no, just do shorts. Never mind. No, leave. I ruined it. What did he say? Kick it. <laughs> Go back to the Adams Family groove. They actually had a goof on that oh, no, in that um, a worried. recent episode of uh, Fresh Off the Boat. It's a comedy on ABC. And yeah. this this kid got this little pumpkin, and when he pressed a button on top, this light flashed, and it played the Adams Family <laughs> groove. I, I do want to say something about this movie, though. All the food looked fake as hell. Yeah. Um, it did look pretty <laughs> fakey fake. It looked like the food that they put in, like, 
when you go to like gallery furniture and shit and they have a plate on the table, <laughs> yeah. look at that food they set out there that you just, the, you're like, wait, oh, shit, it would be the cool. Shit if your these. grandmother had out when she, on the, on like one little end table, like those fake ass grapes that were covered in dust because she never dusted them. Yeah, or like, you know, like, you know, you watch an old cartoon and the steaks are never cooked and shit like that. (laughs) Like, they're all just red. Like, no one eats a steak that's not Mm -hmm. brown on the outside. (laughs) Just bite a cow, why don't I? (laughs) It's like, cut off, what is it, uh, cut off half of it, bring it out, and I'll ride the rest home. I've heard somebody order. That sounds morbid. I've heard somebody order a steak that way. It's pretty bad. Yank its horns off, wipe its smelly ass, and bring it out here. Yeah. Wipe its smelly ass. I think that's from the cowboy way. <laughs> Something like that. <sighs> yeah. Off anyway. Off topic. Um, oh, what freak are we out. Talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what? What would you say if you had to go back and reshoot this, recast this? Because I know we had some mm-hmm. fun with recasting other movies. I have an idea who I would mm-hmm. want in a role, but I'll give it to you guys for a second. Who would you recast for, for this film? As mm, is, as is. Not not trying to do another adaptation, but taking this film blow for blow and recasting. All right, so I'll toss mine out since I've got one. I would love to see, again, I, I brought him up before, but I'm going to bring him up again. I would love to see Fastbender in Vincent Price's role. Dude, get off Fastbender's No, dick. I will never are will. Just, I never I, will, because I seriously. Are you just saying Fastbender's the new Vincent yeah. Price? Yeah, he's the new Vincent Price. I'm down yeah. with that. Think about that. All the rules Vincent Price did? Just put Fastbender in them and redo those movies. Just make make it happen. Um, I mean, hey, they're doing I mean, that with Kevin Spacey in that new movie. With the right. way that you claim that totally uh, replaced him, that Philip was overacting. You just put uh, Tommy Wiseau in that role. Just let him like, oh my get god, out there and, like oh rise on the gosh. ground and like just, just scream wow. and no, like say lines out of order. I was thinking Charlie Day, maybe. Charlie Day, get out! <laughs> get the hell out, Charlie Day. Like, no. I, I don't even know. Like, I, I made a comment to myself that this movie is basically like White Get Out, except for the guy doesn't leave. White he just tries to stay there. <laughs> White Get White Out. He's like, uh, except for he doesn't take his own advice. He's just like, oh, I got to stay here until, you know, we buried this girl. Like, just leave, dude. Go home. <laughs> Eating this man's yeah, food up. He is so obsessed with her coming with him. And at some well, point, it's like, dude. Just that's leave. something I mean, she's I, pretty and all. That's something I kind of wish that we would have got. Like they they talk about when you were in Boston, we did this, all your friends miss mm-hmm. you, uh, things like that. But I wish we could have gotten a little more of like, what were they doing in Boston? Why was she there? Right. Why did her brother even? She was let at her school. Leave? And she was at school. Yeah. And, yeah. They, okay. they they hinted she was at college or some shit or university, whatever they called it back then. Oh, by the way, well, I just remembered something else because when I talked about talked about how. She died like several days ago. Whenever, whenever he comes to speak to uh, to uh, Roderick in his room, and Roderick's sitting there, and you know he's just like kind of doing his whole monologuing thing, which is like everything Roderick did was monologuing. Mm-hmm. Philip comes to him and he's like, "You swear she's dead now?" And Roderick's like, "I swear it." And I was like, "They should just cut this with that Batman thing." Swear to me. <laughs> 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 Uh, that's another edit of this film you're gonna have to make. Definitely. What <laughs> happened? What happened after that? When Philip had that weird dream, he went mad or some shit, and like fell into an '80s video <laughs> where it was like all those colors yeah. and like what was that? The only to me that seemed like it was one of two things: either ha- he was having a an exhaustion kind of fever dream scenario where he where he thought all that up. Or he was actually being haunted by the ghosts of the place, like they were actually getting into his head. Or third option, he just was, uh, he took some cocaine or, I don't know, not cocaine, <laughs> something hallucinogenic. <laughs> Let's say for the time, laudanum, just saying. Oh, you know what would be cool if you make, redid this movie and the whole thing was that like Bristol is like the villain and he's drugging this family oh. and making them think they're crazy. And so like Bristol is like trying yeah. to like inherit their money or like whatever the fuck they have left by like making them think they're going crazy and he's just like killing them off one at a time with like their craziness. That would yeah, be that would be interesting. Justin, I think you just I think you just wrote a movie. I think you need to just get crack this whole thing wide you open. Just cracked it wide <laughs> open. You just did it. But it's it's too cliche because then it's like the butler did it. Oh. Yeah. 
How long has it been since? No, let's okay. say how long has it been since we've had a the Butler did it? Like I can't remember a movie in the longest time that's been like legitimately the Butler did it. I think it's one of those things that is a trope that's so old that uh, it's like <laughs> trope as old as time. Like that song from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> but uh, I think it's one of those things that's a trope that's really old. And um, don't become be. don't become Elliot Kalen now. <laughs> um, it's one of those tropes that's so old that it's it's ingrained in our memories from like seeing it on Looney Tunes cartoons and seeing it mentioned over and over, but it hasn't been done in so long. Cause well, it's so the last one I common. remember is Clue, like where they show like this is what really happened, and it wind up being the. Um... I couldn't take Clue. I I almost went mad what? watching that movie. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's just it. Oh, man, that's I a remember good movie. The hell out of me. I like Clue. Clue's great. And I actually did like this movie. So maybe it was an age thing. I did see it a long time ago. But uh, I, I also like how this movie became Metroid at the end, where he has to like escape from the house and it's blown <laughs> up around him and shit. I was like, oh, this is just every Metroid well, game now. Well, like he's got to get out of there. It's a lot. A lot of these movies like this, like this, Waxworks. A lot of films. Uh, <laughs> a lot of films ended with set the house on fire. You know, that's the easy way out. It's like, all right. Oh, no, the house didn't catch on fire. The house went into the ground. If you watch, it, it just... It got enveloped well, by yeah. the flames of like, hell. But it did burn down, then sink into the into the, into the mire. Also, you mentioned this earlier, and no one really caught on to it or said shit about it. They brought the entire house from England. Like, did that mark anybody else who's just crazy as shit? Like, they packed the house up brick by brick, stone by stone, and carried now, it across an ocean. I feel like it's something that insanely rich people do just because they can i think it's more symbolism than it is like meant to be literal like it is a literal thing that happened but i think when poe wrote it he meant for it to be like a symbolism like this house is like a prison and they move but they brought the prison with them but like to hear it said on screen it's so fucking crazy like it's not like it's a trailer you can just put on a truck bed and drive it across the street like it is a house i do agree but i do think i and it, hopefully somebody will hit us up and tell us where the research part is but I really think that that they did. I think somebody did like this yeah. was a thing they did in the day and brought their brought the houses. Like a lot of these super old houses may have originally been in England, um, but that mm-hmm. is a pretty insane thing to do. It's like uh, well, we packed up all the shit in the house. Did you pack the house, Jenkins? No, sir. <laughs> I'll get the crowbar. <laughs> yeah, they just told Roderick get up there and with this crowbar and start prying those boards off. And don't lose the nails. You need those too. <laughs> That's why he's insane. He's like, we get these sons of bitches back. When we get when we get to the states, I'm gonna Start kill every goddamn one of them. <laughs> it, it, it's really one of those things where you can you can read it like that because I mean you can read it like there there's this invisible specter killing these people. And Roderick thinks life works like Cloud Atlas, where everybody just inherits bad shit from their family before that, <laughs> and that doesn't make much sense like it's it's a very like what's the religion that does that shit it's just it's one of those things that religions used to do where they they believed in like predestination and a family could be cursed by what someone else did yeah well i mean he even brings it up in the movie he goes you know do you really believe the sins of the father are passed on to the children and yeah you know vincent price gives him a look with cocking his eyebrow and goes i believe so i mean because philip's just the sanest person in here he's just thirsty as fuck like He's like Thanos level thirsty. Just go find another girl, dude. Leave this crazy ass house alone. If you do marry this girl, your brother in law is gonna be this crazy motherfucker. But my other problem with this movie in like a logical sense is they go down to the crypt and they start looking at all the bodies and they're going through who the people are. When mm-hmm. Madwin starts to name the people, they're not just her family line. They're the women who married into it. So by that rule of law, if she married out of the family line, she I should be fine again. Too. I thought that too. Like break the curse. Maybe that's a thing mm, that'll come yeah. up. Is they'll say, well, what? and at the end he'll go, "You marry her, flee. I'll stay with the house and die." My hair's too. <laughs> and it really, <laughs> it was Roderick's plan to pawn her off so he could just have the house to himself. Right. He just like unbuttons <laughs> his pants, gets on the couch, and starts reading the paper afterwards. Oh, I'm just gonna masturbate out here tonight. I, I guess. I've been telling her for. <laughs> I've been telling her for years that my ears are sensitive. It's a lie. I just didn't want to hear her groan on <laughs> really, again. I couldn't hear shit. I didn't want to hear her groan <laughs> on again about hair product for the fifteenth time. <laughs> Did I mention I'm exceptionally chauvinist? I'm Vincent Price. <laughs> 
or him and maybe him and Bristol are gay and like he didn't want her oh, to find out and he just had to drive her out of the house. Oh wow! There you go. Layers. Quite a theory. These layers and layers. These, these but Bristol layers. was still trying to kill him because Bristol had another gay younger lover and he wanted that <gasps> money. That's the whole plan. The two of them are gonna run off to get. Wait, no, Bristol. Bristol has a twin. It's like the <laughs> Prestige, and there's oh, been wow. two Bristols all along. That's what it is. Bristol was the one in the in the uh, in the. Also, Bristol blew the train up to find superheroes. I don't know. I'm just saying a bunch of different <laughs> twists here. Gosh. Bristol's the uh, uh, at the end. You see Bristol He's walking. Mr. Glass. No, no, no. At the end, you see, at the yeah. end, you see Bristol walking away from the police station with a hitch in his step, but then he straightens it out, and he was Kaiser <laughs> Kaiser Soze the whole yeah, time. Yeah, Philip Philip sitting in the in the coach going back, and he sees he looks at the paper, and all the shit Bristol told him is like just scattered throughout the paper in different words, and he's like, "Driver, stop this coach!" And he runs back up the little muddy path. But when the time he gets there, he just sees like Bristol riding away on a horse around the other bend, giving him the finger. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone in a someone in a hospital with uh, with consumption has them sketch out a drawing of Bristol who fucked them over before. It's like a <laughs> like a charcoal drawing of Bristol that they're slowly sketching. And then and then at the end of the movie, no, I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> Oh my god, that that is the funniest <laughs> shit to me. <laughs> Any movie we do now, we got to figure out a way to get Bristol in as the bad guy. I, I will say this though, like a note on Richard Matson. Richard Matson is an amazing author, and don't let I Am Legend's movie fool you because it's not that kind of book at all. The book itself is actually a very well it done. is yeah. quote unquote the first zombie novel, but it's not about zombies. They're, more They're actually vampires. Yeah. They're vampires, yeah. yeah. And everybody thinks it's a zombie novel. And then he also did um he did this story called The Likeness of Julie, which is the most interesting one. It's only like four well, pages long. Before, and before it's about stray, a succubus. Before we stray too far away with, with with that though, but when you talk about I Am Legend, um Last Man on Earth, um was another Vincent Price film adaptation of that movie. That Omega was Man. Ome- yeah, Omega Man. Well, Omega Man was Heston, right? That was Charlton Heston. It's Heston, mm-hmm. but isn't it isn't it just Charlton an I Am Legend remake? Well, they're both they're both adaptations of the story. Um, so uh, Vincent Price's uh, Last Man on Earth is an adaptation of that story. Uh, Omega Man is an adaptation of that story. I Am Legend, the film with uh, Will Smith is. Will Smith. And I want to say there was one before the Vincent Price one, but I could be wrong. And Will Smith is actually not, it's not a bad movie. It's just not the same book. And I think that if mm-hmm. they had just made the book into a movie uh, with Will Smith, it would have been fine because Will Smith is a fine actor. Nothing's wrong with him. But there's this weird, like, habit of Hollywood to just try to, like, change things for some reason to make them weird or strange. And what's funny about it is that, like, yeah. the idea that book takes is actually really original. I've never seen another book where the world is, like, completely vampirized and one guy is trying to survive against them. And at the point the movie came out, we had seen that multiple times from zombie movies. Or mm-hmm. those weren't even zombies. They were, like, weird CGI children sketches. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they were. The, the monsters in I Am Legend uh, with Smith were really weird. I I did not. They were like expect... weird Wendigo things yeah. or something. I mean, I get that they were trying to go for a. It's a genetic anomaly, and they they're physically changed. So they're and this whole Murloc looking thing. But I I just didn't care for it. That was me to me. The the biggest letdown of the film were the monsters because I really yeah they should Smith. have actually. They should have actually just done a thing where they didn't show them. Yeah. And they had them really be simple, but like they just did sounds outside well, the house, him running from things, because that, that would have made a much better movie. Bring it back to this film, though. I mean, that's what Poe was good at, was the unseen horror, the thing that you don't get to physically interact with. Now, by the end of the film, the sister had gone crazy. She was kind of the monster of the film. Um, if not Vincent Price's character. But you don't know if she's one of crazy because of the curse or, or because, because of, of the fact she was locked in a fucking box. Oh, right. it, to me, it was definitely locked in a damn box. Locked in a box. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like you go Telltale Heart. I mean, was there really something under the stairs beating? Uh, the Raven. No, there he was a heart, him. wasn't there? They buried the body, but he, but the heart wasn't beating. Like he It's just the idea he knew it was there. It was his yeah. guilt. It was the right. idea of like a personification of his guilt. It's, the telltale it's like heart. Lady Macbeth. Yeah. It's like, just leave the house, dude. The heart won't be anywhere else. <laughs> but I think, that's, I think that's part of it, is that he he did, 
he would probably have heard it anywhere. That's 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 the it's the psychological aspect of it that I like, and that's why I, I like Poe's mm-hmm. work because even the Raven, you know, he's he's pining for his lost love, and the uh, him seeing the Raven um, and thinking that it's talking to him is again the unseen. Is is it really there? Is it actually happening? Well, I, this might be me being like a lunatic, but can't ravens mimic words sometimes? I think you're thinking of a mockingbird. I thought ravens could mimic words because, like, there's a lot of literature where they talk too. Like, you know, in in D and D, the ravens that can might, talk. Yeah, that might be a literary device. I'm I think certain. I think that a certain bird that either looks like a raven or is a type of raven can can mimic a word people say, and that that's why the bird was like repeating that word at him because they can they can kind of mm. make a sound. What what's funny, like I said, Richard Matson, there's some similarities with him and Poe, just very subtleness to the stories they're telling. Um, Richard Matson wrote that Creature on the Wing story for Twilight Zone, so that was his thing. Oh, and the likeness of Julie, awesome. I should actually give you that because it's only like three pages long, and it's interesting because it's very much not what you expect it to be in the end, but it's it's just very short and very good, and so I could see how he adapted this movie because the writing type that Poe has and the writing type that he's using here is are very simi- similar. Hmm. I need to actually, I need to read that one because it's, it's, uh, man, there's so much of that work that I've never actually touched. Like, I can I literally give it to you. Like I have it in my computer. Cause I was, I was looking at it because there was a question about something I was writing and, and a uh, unique take on this type of thing. And, you know, one of the things is that you don't get a lot of unique takes. Like you get, you get your, average take on something and this was actually like a real honest to god like you read this and you go oh man this is this is old but it's really well done and it's one of those things that seems almost modern like nothing about it really points to it as being written in the 70s or 60s like it was that's a hallmark Mm -hmm. of a good author too it's like it seems timeless for sure that's great seems timeless (laughs) (laughs) well um would you uh, so just just I mean we're getting to the uh, to fairly close to the hour mark uh, so I feel like we haven't touched on everything still though there's some there's some stuff in the middle of the movie because we we kind of just went out of order with it and we did. Uh, there's well, definitely we some stuff did. yeah there's definitely some stuff that Toss that uh, just the whole dinner scene like did anybody else find anything about that weird well I think he was trying to keep her qui- uh, she was trying to keep him quiet because for some reason she's like no don't tell him the house is cursed. And he's like, but I want to tell him the house is cursed. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> it's like, come Vince. on, just just keep that cursed house stuff to yourself tonight. But I have to. I'm Vincent Price. It's what I do. I want to monologue. Let me monologue. It, it kind of bothered me, too, that I felt like even he was faking it. Like, I felt like that might have been a deliberate choice on the part of the production staff to be like, oh, it's not just that he's he's crazy. He's actually, like, faking this illness. Like, he's... He's constantly saying that he's going to get sick, or that. Um, that's I don't know because when he when he grabs him by the lapels and he's like, "Tell me, tell me," he's like, "Let me go, let me go," and he's slapping at his hands. <laughs> yeah. It's um, like, all right, bitch, <laughs> <laughs> just like kind of throws him back into the seat. Look, I'm here to tell you, Vincent Price can talk and swagger and look pretty dope, but like when it comes to physicality, he is not the manliest thing in the world. I mean, look at uh, well, uh, in in Last Man on Earth, like him swinging a hammer. He looks just effeminate. Like I'm gonna swing this hammer. <laughs> That's a little wrong. I mean, I think I think that no, it's he, about all point. <laughs> I, I think he definitely has like a a rich manly swagger to him. It's almost like this. Uh, is commanding this, presence. Yeah, not even commanding presence. It's almost like this, like sort of like blue blooded aristocrat. Like every role I've seen him in, which is you know these two, <laughs> basically <laughs> are are. They kind of ooze that, even when in the movie where he's mm-hmm. dead and has no face and can't really move his face or talk, it feels like he was some sort of uh, higher up kind of guy. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like that mm-hmm. was a, it, it's not really, it's kind of like Benedict Cumberbatch where he just can't play poor people because he doesn't seem like a poor person. <laughs> and I feel like yeah. that's something that kind of is happening here and um i i think it works i don't think it's really effeminate like it's that eddie redmayne kind of acting where it's not effeminate it's just like a softer kind of masculinity that is more posh and not used to um you know the rough and tumble sort of thing that you would usually see in a movie 
Well, and and but no I, one in this movie is really that person, you know? I counter that with, and as soon as I, I knew, as soon as I went to say this actor, I was going to forget his name. He played opposite Christopher Lee in the Hammer films. MC Hammer films? No, stop it. <laughs> Peter Cushing, Peter Cushing, Peter Cushing. That's what it is. So when we talk, you talk about that masculinity, that air of being a an aristocrat. Peter Cushing actually has that in spades, but he still looks as though like he's not square jawed, but he looks as though he's strong, as though he's um, capable, for lack of a better term. Um, Vincent Price, again, I'm not ragging on him at all. I mean, I I adore Vincent Price. But I just think that, like, if you're going to talk about somebody that's, like, got that commanding aristocratic presence, but uh, can still command a room and looks like somebody that should be in charge, I I don't know. Peter Cushing, to me, has got that. that It's funny you you went that far to say Peter Cushing when you could have just said Picard from uh, Star Trek. Because, (laughs) like, honestly, (laughs) nothing about Picard seems incapable or, like, he's not commanding. But he definitely is very like aristocratic seeming, as opposed to Kirk, mm-hmm. who seems a little bit more down homesy, rough and rumble well, type. That's a still Amer- intelligent. That's American versus British too. Yeah, but one of them's a better commander and didn't blow his ship up a bunch of times. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> ooh! Shots fired. Okay. The thing that gets me about it is that I never even really took consideration on that. But it did read to me like he was gay, and that was not for him being effeminate. It just seemed... I think Vincent Price is all in most of his roles. Most of his roles. That's what it comes off as. And there's nothing is he wrong gay? With, I don't think he was. He might have been for the time, didn't come out. I, I don't know. I haven't done that much background on him. But it, it would be kind of like funny if he just purposely played these characters gay for shits and giggles. <laughs> right? Like he's, a, <laughs> he's like, when I get on stage, I just pretend I'm gay in all these roles to make people mad. <laughs> this is me sticking it to the man. Because there are several <laughs> actors who just do weird shit like that. Actually, I just looked it up. Vincent Price was bisexual. His daughter confirmed oh, it. Oh, God. Now I've got the picture of Vincent Price between two people in my brain. Thank you. <laughs> I got right past my that, mental that's, firewall. That's on you, Yeah, anyway, no, that's, that's all your fault. You. That went right past my mental firewall. As Vincent Price threesome, you're thinking. You're <laughs> there. Stop it. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the guy on Hannibal who plays Hannibal when interviewed, he told the interviewer, like, they asked him how he came up with the character. Mm-hmm. And he just, says, I, he just said, I pretend that I'm Satan. Like, I just pretend that I'm Lucifer, and that's how I, I do the role. Oh and God. so there are actors who do that kind of weird method acting, and then, you know, they'll make a character gay who was never meant to be gay. They just were like, I figured that I was reading this script, and this person would be gay, so I made them into a gay person. Well, I mean, that's, that's I mean, that, that goes to actors who embody a role and create it and, and, and take it in. I mean, absolutely, you're, you're right. I agree. I, I think that's one of the heights of method acting is getting into that point and making your own choices for it. But then you got people that like like Daniel Day Lewis who does that, who does it very well. He just completely becomes. Well, that's actual method acting. But Daniel Day Lewis played Lincoln, and Lincoln was supposedly bisexual also. So I'm just saying. <laughs> like my only point is that Roderick and Bristol were in that house boning down, and that's why he wanted Madeline out of there. <laughs> Was it just the gruel that was boiling? If you get my drift, guys. <laughs> uh, oh, let's. What is gruel, by the way? I I just I want to like throw that out there. Porridge. It's like a. I don't what the know. fuck is porridge? <laughs> Has anybody here ever had porridge? I, I've like never I've heard. I, I've only heard of porridge Isn't it in like nursery cream rhymes. of wheat type cereal. Cream of wheat is delicious. First of all, if they were eating cream of wheat but every like day, that'd be amazing. I'm not amazing. saying it's the same thing. I'm saying it's that, but like a crappy version. Because cream of wheat burns in like, like just water, water so. and. So here's the thing: gruel, porridge, same thing. They yeah, are, but what are they? It's a cereal: oat, wheat, or rye flour with rice, water, and or milk. So that's like when we drop food for countries, and we say we're dropping, you know grain on them they're just going to be banking porridge basically yeah pretty much because like as a human being in 2017 if you gave me a bag of grain i couldn't turn it into fucking bread or another food (laughs) it would just be crushed up grain and water that so i could swallow it i didn't know that horchata was gruel horchata i guess it makes sense though horchata worries me is a is a chilled sweetened gruel drink Oh no! I never oh. considered it gruel, but it makes sense because it's made from rice. 
it, it's funny because I'm in San Antonio and there's a bunch of drinks and foods I've, I'm only recently discovering are even hey, a thing. Like, you're going to get the nerdiest girl there to go home with you because you're going to say, do you know horchata is really gruel? And then you're going to peek like three really super nerdy millennials like, he knows, he knows things. Bam. You're I right. don't think any girls are getting misty over the idea of what is and isn't <laughs> gruel. Especially horchata. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is actually gruel. Did you know that? No one cares. It's food. <laughs> <laughs> it's, All right. it's the weirdest so, conversation ever. Yeah, it really is. So, <laughs> final thoughts. Justin, what, what did you think of the movie? I actually enjoyed it. Um, like It was not the most memorable film. And I can see why Levi thought it was a little slow, but I didn't think it was slow enough to be a problem. It's just, it's just a quieter film. It's not the, the wild sort of shit we're used to watching here, where there's a murder every four seconds, or <laughs> there's some man running around the woods and they can't quite fight right. Like it was just a more cerebral movie. And I enjoyed it. I think the acting was really good. I actually had no problem with Phillips acting later. It was a little crazy. It was a little Wysoian, but I don't think it was that bad. <laughs> and um, I, I actually was kind of interested because I, I felt like uh, Madeline's acting uh, was, it felt more like it was from the 50s, if that makes sense. I guess we're kind of mm-hmm. close to the 50s. But her acting felt like it was from another decade. Like it was and decade. it felt like... I could see that. It felt like everybody's acting was kind of in a different time period. Like, they were acting past each other, sort of. But no, it was okay, and I I, um, I appreciated seeing some of Matson's work on screen again. It's it's rare I get to see anything of his that he actually wrote, like the Twilight Zone-style stuff, on screen anymore. Cool. Cool. That's a good perspective. Levi, what have you got? What did you think about Well, um, like Justin said, I... I did think it was a tad boring. I, don't, I do think it's a great movie, like I said, visually, both with the costumes and the cinematography. It's very beautiful and very lush. And I like looking at this house and especially the, the exterior scenes looked amazing to me. And I think I might possibly, it's one that I might watch again and see how I feel because sometimes my first impressions aren't, I don't know, complete. But overall, I, I did enjoy it, even though I felt it was a little bit slow. And I, I'm kind of with Gil. I thought that, uh, what was his name? Uh, Philip. I thought his acting kind of fell apart a little bit later on in the film. And I didn't really care for it as much. But I did enjoy seeing Vincent Price in this role. It's, it's just always interesting to see what Vincent Price does, no matter what role he's in. So just seeing another Vincent Price movie was enough to you know say okay i'll watch this and yeah i think that's pretty much it i liked seeing this an adaptation of poe's work because i'm a pretty big fan you know i was in high school (laughs) i'm not as big a fan now um because i'm not no longer a teenager but uh, he he was an incredible writer (laughs) was that right (laughs) (laughs) but he was an incredible writer and he had he he did a lot of things to push prose forward from where they were and I think he's often credited for creating the American detective story or something like that. It's been forever since I've taken liter- literature courses. But I did enjoy seeing one of his works adapted with Vincent Price. And I think Vincent Price fits that sort of weird vibe, for lack of a better term, that Poe likes to have in his stories where they're a little a little bit prickly and a little bit weird, <laughs> but still that aristocratic nature that uh, Justin was talking about. So yeah, those are my thoughts. Well, for me, it was, um, I'll encapsulate it with this. I got to sit down and have my daughter sit and watch this film with me tonight. She actually kind of cuddled up and she was getting engaged in the story and asking questions about it. Um, so it, it, the movie is visually striking enough to hold the attention of a three-year-old. Um, which is good, which it, ha- it has to be p- powerful there to get her to ask questions. Um, and, and being around to see the first time she gets to see Vincent Price work, especially in a movie where he's actually acting his ass off, is great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll reiterate the visuals, the costumes, uh, the score. The score was excellent in this movie. I love the matte paintings. Uh, you know, we're we're very quickly going to chew up the movies that really have the really beautiful artwork in them, like that, uh, for this. And um, 
I'm looking forward to seeing more because it's just this the the just skill it takes to make films like this is just with practical effects and the things they did it's just you don't see it nowadays this is not something that's commonly made anymore so it was really good to sit down and watch it again um would nim uh, would nim watch this yeah this is one of nim's favorite favorite absolute <laughs> favorite films uh he is a Vin, die die hard vincent price fan um, but I think with that, we're probably going to put the nail in the coffin, guys, and call it uh, a night. But I think we are also going to call it a wrap for a little bit. Um, we are actually going to go on hiatus uh, through the rest of November into De- uh, through December uh, and into the beginning of January. And we will be back after the first of the year. Um, we're probably going to come back with some, you know, some great films, some great guests. Um, but this will be the last episode of this season of season two. Just quick recap, Justin, how, how much fun has it been being on the show? Have you, have you enjoyed yourself so far? That's been really fun. Yeah. I'm That's look- really fun. I'm looking forward to another season with you on here, man. And lots more things. And, uh, for sure. Um, guys, there's, there's a ton of projects we're all working on. Uh, midnight layer is about to come out in a big, 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 big way. Keep your eyes peeled. If we haven't already posted it, episode zero, uh, that we've debuted at Horrorthon should be up very soon. Um, you're going to be seeing tons of moving and shaking from us, uh, from pumpkin bomb productions, the parent company that creates these products. Um, just tons and tons of things coming very, very soon. It's going to be super awesome. That being said, Levi, do you have anything you want to plug at the end of the show? Sure. As always, I'd like to plug my YouTube channel, Garage Movie Reviews. You can check it out on YouTube or you can just go to garagemovieguy.com. And with any luck, my latest review will be out by the time this uh, podcast comes out and it's going to be the 1994 revenge horror thriller action movie the crow oh i am so anxious <laughs> yes where someone rock. dies in the movie and actually dies on set oh yes so sad. spoilers <laughs> no it is very sad uh brandon lee passing away that but uh yeah fun. uh you can catch me there i'm also on twitter and instagram at garage movie guy and you can also find me on facebook yeah looking forward to seeing that man your your reviews are always great always fun nice little little uh digestible uh uh bits of uh fun that you can just take in get a get a get a good giggle and a laugh and uh, go on with your day it's great under 10 minutes that's a real garage (laughs) (laughs) and i do want to say before we move on justin i appreciate you coming on the show and i think you've added um a lot of dimension and depth to our discussions because you're an intelligent guy and uh you you bring in some some things that uh fill in gaps between gillen my knowledge or our experience and i appreciate you coming on the show because I just think you make it better. Oh, that's sweet. And it's sweet. a pleasure chatting with you. <laughs> yeah, most definitely, man. This 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 three man crew is just about the best. This is this is why we're going to be successful. So, um, Justin, do you have anything you want to uh, pimp at the end of the show? Well, if you don't want to see me be intelligent and uh, very well thought out, <laughs> there is always Twitter where I'm frequently involved in arguments with Nazis and celebrities and other riffraff. <laughs> and um, my name on there is at. Um, it's at CTK86, and I have an Instagram where I occasionally post photos I take, uh, at Lens of Justin. It's all, all one word, no periods or spaces. And um, the podcast I have been talking about making for a while now is actually underway. Uh, we've already done one episode, and I'm expecting to probably start putting them out there either December or January. But the first episode we're going to put up is actually a uh, a discussion about the movie Heather's, which I had never seen before, and so it was oh, pretty yeah. fun and interesting. Uh, it's just a it's a bitch to cut because Damn. it's a four I was hour so long hoping cut. we would get to do that one on here, but you've already watched it. Okay, we can cool. do it. We can do it again. I mean, honestly, we can still do- I saw it for the first time last year. Oh, actually, man, I would say if you want to do it again, we should probably invite Laura on because Laura has seen the movie like a hundred times and she knows yeah. all these crazy facts and That'd she cool. watched a musical and stuff for it. So she's oh just been like God. schooling me on this movie. And I've just been kind of sitting there kind of also acting dumb and just kind of been like, oh, wow, I didn't even catch that. Like, <laughs> so nice. So, yeah, that's been wait. fun. And um, actually, that's about it. You know, I'll be here when they come back, uh, whenever that will be. And we'll be yeah, watching whatever it is we're going to be watching. Oh, yeah. Sometime next year. <laughs> yeah. No, first of the year. First of the year, 2018. Okay. Uh, we're cool, going cool. to come back with uh, <laughs> I'm just going to call it. I'm going to Babe Ruth called shot it. 
We're going to watch Leprechaun. Which Leprechaun? Like nice. real Leprechaun or like Leprechaun in the Hood Leprechaun? Or? Lip in the Hood. Uh, Lip in the Hood. I, Lip in space. I won't say anymore. I won't say anymore. We're going to have to figure okay. it out. <laughs> I've, I've seen all of them, I think. So. <laughs> I've, looked, I've only no. seen In the Hood, which I think is probably got to really? be the best one. Like, why would you watch anything well, else? I think we have to watch the first oh, one. Oh, yeah. yeah. But he's not in the hood, though. We're going to do it that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, fine. We'll just watch every watch Leprechaun all, movie that was ever Every oh. Leprechaun movie. That'll be next season. Next season will be the Leprechaun from the season. Bone Vaults. From the Bone. From the, from the Leprechaun Dude, Vault. From, <laughs> from the Gold from Lep in the Vault. Lep in the vault. Lep in the vault. There From we the go. gold pot. From the gold pot. <laughs> uh, ding, ding. We have a winner. Well, with that being said, guys. <laughs> Before I get my gold shilling, there's bound to be a killing. You can find us on the web at fromthebonevault.podbean.com. Our email address is fromthebonevault.gmail.com. And if you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you've got, you've got the credentials, guys. As always, I'm Gil. And I'm Levi. And I'm Justin. <laughs> Have a great night and stay scary, everybody. <laughs> I think there's a gas leak in Just, here. There is. <laughs> Leprechaun did it. Just for that trick, I'll chop off your dick. <laughs> the foulest stench is in the air. The funk of 40,000 years. And grisly ghouls from every tomb are closing in to seal your doom. And though you fight to stay alive, your body starts to shiver, for no mere mortal can resist the evil of the thriller. Can you dig it? <laughs> Ha 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 